you to open up to Luke chapter 23. Tonight we are going to look at the last words spoken by Jesus, spoken by our Savior and Lord as He was being crucified. I thank Phil for singing that song, really setting the stage for what we have to look at tonight, because there was so much that went before this, hours from the time that Jesus was arrested, through His trials, beatings, scourgings. But tonight, we're going to look at the last words spoken by our Lord. That day, as we have been referring to all evening, we refer to as Good Friday. It was the day when the sinless Son of God was crucified. Even though he was found not guilty of all of the charges against him. How? How could something so heinous happen to someone so loving, so holy, so righteous? Well, the answer is that it happened to him so that it would not happen to us. He took our place upon that cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He suffered the physical, emotional pain of a horrific death, and he suffered the holy wrath of God poured out upon him as a penalty for our sins. Our penalty was paid in full by Jesus that we, the guilty ones, might go free. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen? All four of the gospel writers record the events of that day. They tell us how Jesus was betrayed and arrested early that morning. How he surrendered himself to the authorities. How he endured multiple hearings, both before the Jewish and the Roman authorities. How he was beaten repeatedly, scourged, mocked, and scorned. And as I said earlier, even though being found innocent of all the charges against him, was handed over to be crucified by the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. The gospel writers recount his carrying his cross until he collapsed under its weight, his being stripped naked and nailed to that cross, his physical, emotional, and spiritual sufferings. And they also record the seven times that Jesus spoke from the cross as he was suffering and as he was dying. So we're going to turn to our text and we're going to read Luke's account of the events leading up to the last words spoken by Jesus from the cross. 
So if you're able to, I'd like you to stand for the reading of our text. Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. Luke writes, It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. May God bless the reading of his word to us. You may be seated. Luke begins by reminding us of the three hours of darkness during which God the Father was pouring out His holy wrath due for our sins upon Jesus, God the Son. The darkness began at noon. And no, it wasn't a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse because it was on Passover, which is only at the full moon. This was a supernatural act of God. It began at noon after Jesus had already been suffering on the cross for three hours. This darkness was a miraculous sign from God the Father that actually fulfilled a prophecy given hundreds of years before by the prophet Amos. In Scripture, darkness is often associated with divine judgment. And that is exactly what it symbolized in this case. The darkness that descended over the whole land coincided with the Father pouring out His divine wrath upon His Son, who took our sins upon Himself and bore the penalty for those sins in our place. The holy wrath of God that was due for our sins for your sins, for my sins, was poured out upon Jesus. The darkness showed everyone that Jesus was suffering. He was suffering the wrath of God. And that is why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all of eternity, the Father turned His face away from the Son. The Father poured His wrath out upon the Son, His Son. And Jesus felt forsaken by the Father as He paid the price that was necessary for our sins to be removed and for us to be reconciled to God. The one who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We sometimes refer to this as the great exchange. Jesus took our sin upon himself, paid the penalty 
the divine penalty for that sin. And all of us who believe and trust in Him are credited with His righteousness. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Jesus completed this work of substitutionary atonement. And then He cried out, Tetelestai. It is finished. The work of atonement was complete. He had paid for the sins of all who would ever trust in Him for their salvation. That is why we call this day Good Friday. This was the fulfillment of the covenant of redemption, of the plan of God to provide salvation for all of those chosen by God for salvation. It is finished, Jesus proclaimed. And not only does Luke remind us of the darkness, but he adds his account of another event that occurred as soon as Jesus proclaimed those words. It is finished. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. And from the other gospel accounts, we know that it was torn from top to bottom. The curtain temple was torn. Like the darkness that had covered the whole land, the tearing of the temple curtain was a divine miracle. And it had great symbolic meaning. The curtain of the temple was a magnificent piece of woven fabric. 30 feet wide and 30 feet high and over one inch thick. Its function was to separate the holy place from the most holy place, or what is often called the holy of holies. The holy place was where the priests performed many of their sacred duties. Only the priests could enter the holy place. But the most holy place was strictly off limits to them. Only once every year on the Day of Atonement could the high priest and the high priest alone enter behind the curtain. And to do so, he had to take the blood of a spotless lamb that had been sacrificed to provide a covering for the sins of Of the people. This was the only place on the planet where God had chosen to manifest His divine presence and accept a sacrifice for the sins of the people. That thick curtain formed a barrier of protection between a holy God and sinful human beings. And let me tell you something. The high priest was very careful to follow all of the sacrifices he had to make so that he himself would be covered before he entered behind that veil. Because if he did not, he'd be struck dead. 
because sin cannot enter into the presence of God. So this curtain represented a barrier between sinful men and women, boys and girls, and a holy God. Well, that ended when Jesus, the Lamb of God, completed for all time the atoning work that was needed for all who believed to enter into the very presence of God. This temple curtain that had stood as a barrier to God's presence for hundreds of years was torn in two by the hand of God at the moment Jesus cried out, It is finished. Was it finished? Yes, it was finished. And God himself rent that curtain so that everyone could see it is finished. This action by God affirmed that Jesus' sacrifice on that cross was the last sacrifice that God would ever require for sin. That moment marked the end of the entire Old Testament system of sacrifices. No more shedding of blood would ever be required. That's because the Son of God had given Himself as the final sacrifice. As the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. The final sacrifice, the one that all other sacrifices had pointed to. So once His sacrifice was finished, no more sacrifices for sin would ever be needed. That's why He cried out, It is finished. Hebrews 9.26 tells us that He, that is Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. That's what was required. And Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 14, tells us that we have been sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all time. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's good news. That's good news. Our sins have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. God will remember them no more. Instead, when He sees me, He sees the righteousness of His Son. The sinless Son of God offered Himself up as the final sacrifice for sin. The Father confirmed the Son's declaration through the tearing of the temple curtain. Thus, 
the temple was rendered obsolete. And as we know, it would be completely destroyed less than 40 years later. The tearing of the temple curtain also showed that the way was now open to enter into the very presence of God through His Son. Through faith in Jesus, we have direct access to God. Never before was this possible. The writer of the Hebrews, again, Hebrews 10, 19, and 20 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. We can now enter into the presence of God because we enter through Jesus, through His sacrifice. Jesus died to become the way to the Father. All who trust in Him for their salvation have unlimited access into the presence of God. We have the privilege of worshiping in His presence and going directly to Him in prayer with our concerns. We no longer need a human priest or high priest to intercede for us because our great high priest, Jesus, has opened up the curtain for us and welcomes us into the most holy place into the very throne room of God. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And after suffering, all that Jesus had to suffer in order to provide salvation for us and open up that way to the Father, it was time for Him to die. Time for Him to speak His last words as a mortal human being. It should be pretty obvious to all of us, but Jesus did not die in the same manner as you and I. Instead, He laid down His life. Jesus was in control to the very end. And when that time came, he committed his spirit into the hands of his Father. Look back at verse 46 again. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's key there that Luke records that he called this out in a loud voice. This was not a man who passed out or who couldn't breathe any longer or was about to die from weakness. No. The time came for Jesus to simply give up his spirit to his heavenly Father. He committed his spirit into the hands of his Father. Once again, he addresses God as Father. And remember, 
Jesus was the first person to ever address God as his father. No Jewish man, woman, boy, girl before him would have dared refer to God as their father. But Jesus was the son of God. Once the holy wrath of God had been fully poured out upon him for our sins, his eternal relationship with the Father was restored. No longer was the Son forsaken by the Father. Instead, both the Father and Son rejoiced that the divine plan for the salvation of all of those chosen by the Father had been completed. And you may not know this, but Jesus' last words are actually another quote from the Old Testament. From Psalm 31.5, which reads, Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Yahweh, faithful God. Jesus quotes this verse, but he makes it personal by addressing God as Father. The Son had humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And now, exercising the authority given to Him by His Father, He would lay down His life. Just as He had told His disciples, In John 10, 17, and 18, we read these words spoken by Jesus to his disciples. I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. All authority was given to him in heaven and on earth. He had the authority to lay down his life. And as we see on Sunday, he has the authority to take it up again. And this is exactly what Jesus had done. He was willing to suffer, to glorify the Father, to fulfill the covenant of redemption. And he is about to lay down his life to die. This he must do. He must die so that he can defeat our final enemy, which is death. And this he will do when he takes his life up again and is resurrected on the third day, which we will celebrate on Sunday. So Jesus exercised his authority as the Son of God in giving up his spirit, his life, his human mortal existence into the hands of his father. And in doing so, he was expressing his confidence in the one who holds all things in his hands. He was expressing confidence that his death would not be the end for him. Jesus knew that there was life beyond the grave, and he placed complete trust in his heavenly Father for his death and for his resurrection from the grave. And his confidence was well-placed, as we all know. 
For on the third day, he rose again in a glorified human body in which he appeared to many witnesses and in which he ascended into heaven and took his rightful place on his throne at the right hand of the Father. And he became our faithful high priest who lives to make intercession for us, for all who believe in him, for all who trust in him for their salvation. This is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So where is your confidence? Do you know that you are safe in the Father's love? In the Father's plan? Do you know that you have eternal life? That when you die physically, your spirit will live on with Jesus the Son and with the Father in heaven. Do you know this? Are you confident of this? Jesus was, and we can be too. Jesus laid down his life, suffered and died to pay the penalty for our sins, and then rose again from the grave to show us that he had defeated sin, Satan, and even death. And all who believe in him and repent and call upon him for salvation shall be saved, shall enter into eternal life, shall be welcomed into the very presence of God. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. I am looking forward to that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So my prayer tonight for each one of us is that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We would trust in His sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, we would believe that God raised him from the dead and we would call upon him for salvation and we would entrust our lives and our souls into the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. And we would do this with confidence, looking forward to the eternity that awaits us to live in relationship with Him, to worship Him, to love Him, and be loved by Him. That is my prayer for us tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this opportunity for us to be here tonight, for us to come together on a Friday night, but not just any Friday night, Good Friday as we celebrate the sacrifice of your Son on our behalf. And Father, if there are any here tonight that don't know Jesus in this way, I pray, Father God, that they would come to know Him even now. Father, these words that we have read tonight, these are your words to us words of life. 
And I pray, Father, that you would give us confidence in knowing Christ. In knowing that our sins have been covered by the blood of your Son. In knowing, Father God, that when we prayed to receive Christ as our Savior and Lord and committed our lives to Him, that nothing can take us out of your hands. Once we have committed our lives into your hands, nothing can take us out of your hands. And we can be confident, Father God, of the eternal life that's been provided for us through your Son. And actually look forward to what the future holds. Because we know you hold the future. So, Father God, help us to rejoice tonight and tomorrow, and especially on Sunday, as we rejoice not only in the death and burial of your Son, but in his resurrection as well. And we'll give you the praise and glory for all of this. In